On today's episode, Tony Romo getting a lot of hate for his supposed decline in his analyst skills. Is the hate warranted? We're going to talk about that a little bit. I got some quarterback question marks we're going to go through. Aaron Rodgers going to go do some weird shit with the lights off. No nightlight. Who knows what's going on there? Russell Wilson finally gets a coach. We'll cover that and more. It's Super Bowl week. I'm going to tell you who I like. Take a look at some trends. Pick a winner. Tell you where your money needs to be. And then we'll end the show with the new segment. Second installment of What Would Jeff Do? Go ahead and strap it up. It's time to talk some football. Hello and welcome back to the show. I'm Jeff Adams. I'm your host, joined by Rachel Hickey once again. Our fun fact this week has to do with two of my favorite things in the world. Football and beer. 51.7 million cases of beer are sold on Super Bowl Sunday. That's the projection. And that's not the amount of beer that's going to be consumed. The amount of beer that's going to be sold on Super Bowl Sunday is just for assholes that didn't plan ahead well enough to go ahead and buy the beer in advance. But, man, 51.7 million cases just on a Sunday. That is a lot of rolling rock. Speaking of things that are rocky, Tony Robo been in the news lately as CBS, apparently news was leaked that they tried an intervention, not my word, with Tony Romo and the concerns about his regression as an analyst. Let the games begin. Just like everybody in sports, in work, in life, in relationships, you have good days, you have bad days, right? Some days you're probably not the best husband or boyfriend or dad, not the best employee, and that stuff's okay. And Tony Romo, he's... He's going to say some stuff that, you know, probably isn't spot on or, you know, maybe his voice cracks. I'm no stranger to that doing this podcast for the last nine months. But the conference championship game was really, really bad. Actually, the divisional round was pretty bad. In the uh, Cowboys-Bucks game, I believe was the one he's talking about. I mean, it's a 24-point game, and he's talking about a screen pass is how a team's going to get back into the game with like five minutes left in the fourth quarter. I mean, I don't need to go through too many descriptions. If you watched, then you know. Here's my thing with Tony Romo, who I actually like. I think his, his uh, Corona commercials are actually funny. Maybe you don't, but I laugh at those a lot. And the one where he's imitating Bill Murray recently, uh, former greenskeeper about to become tournament champion, I laugh out loud every time. You never hear anything bad about Tony Romo. He's a family man. He's a good father. Right. He's, he's just a good dude. But if just being a good dude qualified you to talk about football on TV, then Pope John Paul would be making $18 million a year to talk about football. He would shirk his Catholic church responsibilities. I'm positive. So Tony Romo, regressing as an analyst. And I disagree 100%. Not because I don't think he's gotten worse, just because I don't think he's been any good from the beginning. Now, the big thing about Tony Romo when he started was he's just an everyman, right? And when you would read articles or you talk to your buddies, et cetera, and, and he was getting some love was, it's just a regular guy. And it's like, he's, it's like you're just sitting there watching the game with one of your buddies. Well, I don't need a guy on TV breaking down football like one of my buddies because I'm sitting on the couch next to those idiots and add me to that group of idiots and we think we know what we're talking about with football every guy does not very many guys watching football are going to admit i don't know why they ran that play 
I don't know what they're talking about when they're talking about the B gap. When they're playing man over. Uh, no, I don't know what that means. No, we're going to act like we know what they're talking about. So ladies, when your husband explains something to you, when you're watching football, I want you to be aware that 95% of the time he doesn't have any idea and he's just hoping that whatever he says is close to what the analyst says. So Tony Romo talking like he's just one of your buddies, I don't need another one of those assholes. I've got a group of them with me. Right, so I don't need you talking like that. And the whole, you know, I don't know, Jim. Well, you're paid to know, Tony. And the biggest thing that people used to give him credit for was that he did such a good job at predicting the play. Like he would call the play. That's not a Tony Romo thing. That's a professional football quarterback thing. They can all do that. When you come to the line of scrimmage and you see like Peyton Manning made Omaha, Omaha, like his production company is now that because that was kind of his check signal, right? After he would come to the line, see where the defense was, figure out if it was zoner man, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He would then put the Colts and then the Broncos in a positive play based on what the defense was going to give you. Why would he do that? Because he's a fucking quarterback. And all of them can do that. Even the third stringers. Even the guys that aren't good. That's what they do. So the fact that everybody was sucking Tony Romo off because he was able to do something that any other person that had played quarterback in the NFL could do was always very comical to me. Now, could I do that? No. So I'm not trying to put out there like it's an easy thing to do, but it is an easy thing to do for someone who played quarterback in the NFL. I mean, it should be. So giving Tony Romo props for being able to recognize a defense and then call what play might be coming based on what he did when he was a quarterback, that's something that Peyton Manning does on the Manning cast and Eli Manning does on the Manning cast. It's something that Tom Brady's going to do if and when he actually decides to show up in the Fox booth and do games. Greg Olson was a tight end. He's fantastic, by the way. He tells you all this stuff. And he was a tight end because he's a smart football player. Tony Romo's regression, I mean, I, I respectfully disagree. I don't think he's regressed. I think this has just been his baseline and the shine has worn off. So I think the, the new hate for Tony Romo is unwarranted. And it should, have been this, it should have been this amount for the duration of him calling football games. Here's a problem for CBS. I think it was after the 2021 season. Somewhere around there, he signed a 10-year, $180 million contract. That's fully guaranteed. Now, part of the issue with Tony Romo that people are pointing at, executives and people in the know, is that he doesn't do enough studying. Kyler Murray fans, your guy's not the only one, right? That Tony doesn't spend enough time on the nuances on basically the Monday to Saturday of the job. And you know what? That's probably not very fun. So why would he want to do that? He likes to play golf. He's got kids. I'm not saying he shouldn't do it. That's his job. But he hasn't done it since he started. And now you're upset that he's not doing it. 
It's like starting to date a fat girl and then get upset two years later when you look over and she's still fat. Like, this is what you got yourself into, right? This is not, this is, no buyer's remorse is not allowed. It's not acceptable. Ladies, if you married a guy, if your husband is a lazy son of a bitch and doesn't do anything, don't get mad at him three years later when all he wants to do is sit on the couch and play video games. That's who he is. And this is who Tony Romo is. He wants to sit there and talk about football like he does on the couch with his buddies. Only the assholes at CBS decided they were going to pay him $18 million a year to do that. And he said, sure, guys. And good for Tony Romo. Here's the thing. As I stated, this is something that quarterbacks can do. Dan Orlovsky of ESPN, he, he does games sometimes. He did a lot of work in college this year, but he breaks down NFL quarterbacks, offenses, play calls in studio, and he is fantastic. He was not the best quarterback in the league. He was a career backup, made a career out of it, but this is the kind of thing that he is spectacular at. You can tell he puts forth a lot of effort. And that's the kind of guy that if you want to see what they've got, throw him on TV on Sundays and Saturdays, whenever, and see what he can do. And you don't have to pay him $18 million a year. But as far as being with it, I just want to reference Dan Orlovsky, who to me is already better at this kind of thing than Tony Romo, more of a professional. And that's somebody that I would much rather listen to than Tony Romo. I like Tony Romo. But I got a bunch of Tony Romo sitting next to me on the couch at home when I watch a game. So I don't need his, uh, you know, inflections and voice and all that doo-doo while I'm watching football. From one quarterback with a question mark and Tony Romo to a bunch of quarterbacks with question marks. Let's start talking about Daniel Jones. According to anonymous league executives... Jones's new contract is expected to command somewhere between 35 and 37 million dollars a year. Who in the hell is going to give Daniel Jones that contract? I thought Daniel Jones played very well this season. Giants make it to the playoffs. They go 9-6 and 1. Advance in the playoffs, beat an overrated Vikings team. For me, that's more about what Brian Dayball was able to do to kind of elevate Daniel Jones. And in defense of Daniel Jones and how well he played, he set career highs in his fourth season in yards and yards per attempt and completion percentage at 67, which was kind of a knock on Daniel Jones was that he wasn't accurate enough with the ball. He also threw a career low five interceptions. So did he improve? Yes. Let's pump the brakes a little bit on the comparison between big, white, fast Daniel Jones and big, white, fast Josh Allen simply because Brian Dayball shows up in New York. The fact that executives believe that there is not just a team, but teams willing to give Daniel Jones 35 to $37 million goes to show how bad leadership is with some franchises. Daniel Jones, at $20 million a year, is a good quarterback. Daniel Jones, at $37 million a year, is a terrible, terrible quarterback. It's all about value, because if you start to pay him $37 million, that's taking $17 million off the table to pay the players that you need for him to win games. 
Saquon Barkley also a free agent. And word is that he's looking for a Derrick Henry type contract. Well, given the fact that he's only had two healthy seasons, I understand that the run game is such a big part, and Saquon Barkley is fantastic. But we've seen the way running backs break down, specifically Saquon Barkley. So the question for me is, are the Giants going to do Giants things and sign Daniel Jones to this kind of contract? Because I'll be honest, even if they give him 30 a year, that's too much. Just find somebody else. I don't know. I don't care who. Jimmy Garoppolo, pay Derek Carr 40. I don't, I don't know. And then, please God, just franchise Saquon. Don't give him a long-term deal because that guy's destined for a blowout here any minute. I think he might have just blown a knee out once since I started talking about him. I hurt my knee. You fell out of a hotel. That's how you hurt it. We'll see what the Giants do with Daniel Jones. Hopefully, their general manager is smart enough to not back the Brinks truck up to the tune of $37 million for Danny Dimes. Staying in the NFC East, the Washington Commanders head coach Ron Rivera stated that Sam Howell will enter offseason workouts as QB1. The fifth round draft pick out of North Carolina started week 18. That's the nicest thing I can have to say. He threw for 169 yards, one touchdown, one interception. The Cowboys did not show up to play. They got that win. And I'd rather you start Sam Howell. They're going to cut Carson Wentz, which just goes to show what a disaster it's been in Carolina. Ron Rivera's been head coach there three years. Sam Howell was the eighth different starting quarterback over those three years. Rivera commented that they were not going to overpay in the form of draft capital or money for a quarterback. And I can respect that, given what I just had to say about not giving Daniel Jones too much money. But that doesn't mean that you can just put anybody at quarterback because they're not making any money. So you're going to pay fifth round money to Sam Howell, and you think that because that's a situation, you're going to be able to put enough around him. Well, the guy still has to have some talent, man. Like, look me in the eye impossible. And tell me that you think that Sam Howell is a better quarterback than Carson Wentz. I mean, maybe he is, but how much better? Not very, he's not even close. Let's, let's be honest. Now, Carson Wentz was making like 28 million, whatever. So that's fine. But if the plan for the commanders is to not only go in to the offseason workouts with Sam Howell as a quarterback, but that he's going to be the one to emerge, then the Commanders are looking at another last place finish in that division. We talked about Lamar Jackson a little bit last week. And I told you that I don't think that the Ravens should pay him what he's expecting. Even though I think that he deserves to be paid. It's come out this week that Jackson and the Ravens are reportedly $100 million apart in contract talks. 100 million. One million dollars. That's a lot. And it's not an overall compensation because they're both in the same place. Five years, 250 million or thereabouts. Baltimore wants to guarantee around 130 to 150 of that. And Lamar wants a fully guaranteed contract. 
If you want to hear my thoughts on that and you did listen to last week's show, go back and listen to that. I got a little loud about it, so I'm not going to break that part down. The reason I'm bringing it up is that when you're this far apart, there's no coming back from that. They're, they are not going to reach any kind of agreement when you're $100 million apart. Now, they did place the exclusive franchise tag on Jackson. What that means is he is not allowed to negotiate with any other teams. There's also a non-exclusive tag that they could have placed. The guaranteed money there for one year is considerably less. Would have been about $35 million, but it would have allowed Lamar and his representation, who's Lamar, to go negotiate with other teams. And if he had agreed to terms and signed an offer sheet, then the Ravens would have received two first-round picks from that team as compensation. Now, obviously the Ravens weren't interested in that happening, but for a quarterback who's missed 12 or 13 games in the last two years, Lamar Jackson and his stubbornness might be doing the Baltimore Ravens a favor. Another embattled quarterback, Russell Wilson, throwing a life preserver with the hiring of former Saints head coach Sean Payton, but it would appear that the days of Broncos personnel kissing Wilson's ass are over. On the 30 second Coach, uh, Russell Wilson had a personal coach, Jake Hughes, in the building with access who wasn't on the staff. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with that. Right, how do you feel about um, players having their own people off the staff in the building access to the players? Yeah, that's foreign to me. That That's not going to take place here. I mean, I, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with it, but our staff will be here, our players will be here, and that'll be it. So, it doesn't sound like Sean Payton is interested in Russell Wilson having anybody from his personal team involved in any kind of team activities, practice in the building, etc. Might be what Russell Wilson needs to kind of get him moving back in the right direction. Um, after Nathaniel Hackett was fired, he actually looked better. Russell Wilson did, and the Broncos played better there the last month or so of the season, but the fact that the Broncos acquiesced to this kind of request from Russell Wilson, I feel like you don't really need to do that. When you pay a guy $245 million, I feel like that's a sufficient amount of dick caressing that you don't need to then throw some lube in there by letting him have his own personal quarterback coach who's just going to tell him, yeah, man, you're playing great, even though you suck balls for the first three months of the season. This might be one of those situations for Russell Wilson where less is more. And Sean Payton, if there's anybody who's going to talk and Russell Wilson's going to listen, it's that guy. And finally, Aaron Rodgers will spend four nights in complete darkness during an isolation retreat during which time he will be able to contemplate all things in his future and then make a decision about what is best for him moving forward. If you haven't heard about this, he's going to spend what it seems like four days and four nights in a home in complete darkness, no television, no radio, no music, just silence. From what I understand, there's like a slot in the door that they'll put food in. He also commented that there's a bathroom in there. You can wear adult diapers if you want, but there's a, a bathroom on site. I, I don't know why he would volunteer that information. I'm not sure what sane 
adult is going to decide, you know what, to hell with the toilet. I'd rather sit in my own shit in the dark. You weird, buddy. You're weird. The fact that Aaron Rodgers has to come up with some other weird nonsense to do for a second consecutive offseason after smoking or do whatever that nonsense was last offseason, the fact that he needs to do this to try and help him decide whether or not he's going to play football, my assumption is that maybe his neck hurts from just having his head in his ass so long that he still wants it to be dark, but he wants a crick in his neck gone. So he's just going to sit in a dark house like a normal, you know, just straight up and down because I'm not sure what that is supposed to do. You could do what a lot of people do and just talk to someone. Now, part of the issue with Aaron Rodgers, it seems to me, is that he doesn't have people to talk to. He has no relationship. He's estranged from his entire family. And it appears to me that he really likes having a lot of yes men around, as evidenced by the fact that he more or less demanded that Randall Cobb be brought in this season in Green Bay. The Randall Cobb, who hasn't had more than 600 yards receiving in like seven years. Um, Mercedes Lewis is on his list, his short list of people that need to be in the building if he's going to stay in Green Bay. Mercedes Lewis, that's, that guy got drafted like 12 years ago. And he is very good, but he, he's not a pass catcher. He, he run blocks. And all Aaron's done recently is complain about not getting to throw the ball enough and not having good enough receivers. So by all means, on the list of people of things that I have to have, a tight end that I'm not going to throw the ball to, that's who I need. Aaron Rodgers loves Aaron Rodgers. This is about him getting attention. He wasn't in the playoffs. So nobody could talk about him. Nobody had to talk about him. So now he comes out with this freaky nonsense and people are talking about him. I don't have it on any good authority, but I feel confident. On emergence from this four-day, four-night isolation retreat and complete darkness, he is going to emerge and still not know what he wants to do. Because you know what doesn't go away in the dark? $59 million, which is what Aaron Rodgers is owed on his current contract for next year. I've had enough of Aaron Rodgers. Please. Let's talk about some quarterbacks that people actually like. We're going to preview the Super Bowl. Kansas City. Philadelphia Eagles, still a one and a half point favorite as of Thursday afternoon. The over-under set at 50 and a half. Both teams finish a regular season at 14 and 3. Have both won each of their two playoff games. And they're both the one seeds. We've got the two best teams in football matching up. I listen to Colin Cowherd quite a bit, and he does this thing where he will rank the 10 best players in the game. In that matchup. And then he'll kind of go back and count, you know, which team had the most players in that top 10. And in the regular season, you know, oftentimes it'll be like seven to three, eight to two, right? When the Chiefs match up against the Texans, eight, nine, maybe 10 of the best players in the game are going to be suiting up for Kansas City. I've heard him and lots of people talk about how talented the Eagles roster is, and they are right. 
Philadelphia is loaded. But to say that they're loaded and, and then not mention how good Kansas City is, it's kind of laughable to me. So the more people that say it, I feel like they start to believe it more, but that the gap starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger between those two teams. Well, the Eagles had eight Pro Bowlers this year. The Chiefs have seven. So the Eagles are favored by one and a half. And a big part of the reason why is that their roster is supposed to be so much better than Kansas City's. I disagree. Six Pro Bowlers on offense for Philadelphia. Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, A.J. Brown. Where they're really impressive is across the offensive line. Jason Kelsey, Landon Dickerson, Lane Johnson. And then on the defensive side of the ball, coming off the edge, Hassan Reddick. Hassan, I spelled that wrong three times. Looked it up. That's H-A-A-S-O-N. And then Reddick, spelled just like it sounds, like he has a red dick. That one's easy. And then Darius Slay at cornerback. Ironically, James Bradbury on the other side, first year in Philadelphia after he got thrown to the trash heap by the Giants. Did not make the Pro Bowl, but was named second team All-Pro. So that just goes to show you how much ridiculousness goes on with this Pro Bowl thing. And listen, the Eagles have talent. There's, there's guys on this Eagles roster that, that I didn't mention. Right? There's other talent on the roster. But like I said, I've been hearing people talk about these guys on the Eagles, and then they just gloss over what's happening on Kansas City's side of the ball. Well, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and the concern for a lot of people is how much better the Eagles' defensive line is than the Chiefs' offensive line. Well, they've got three Pro Bowlers as well. Center Creed Humphrey, guard Joe Tooney, and tackle Orlando Brown. Like, they're good. They want 14 games in the regular season. Like, they're really good. So we need to ease up on that. They also have who I think is the best defensive player in this game, and defensive tackle Chris Jones. Now, their last Pro Bowler as a punter, Tommy Townsend, don't laugh. The way this game is going to go, as I see it, I think it's going to be a lower scoring game than people are expecting. And Tommy Townsend's ability to flip the field for his offense is going to pay big dividends. And as far as the Chiefs go, that doesn't... What did I say? Dividends. Dividends. Uh, for the Chiefs defense, that didn't include George Karloftis Rookie out of Purdue, who had five and a half sacks over the last seven regular season games and had one in the AFC title game against Cincinnati, the Chiefs can play. Now, what's the biggest headline for me in this game is how healthy are these two quarterbacks? And I mentioned it a little bit, a little bit last week. Patrick Mahomes, the fact that he was able to do what he did in the AFC championship game, coming off that high ankle sprain, was nothing short of amazing. I think it was Wednesday, uh, press conference. Andy Reid says, Patrick looked normal. He looked fine. He had no limitations. Now, whether that's just coach speak and he's, he, he doesn't want to be vocal and public that Patrick Mahomes still is more hobbled than he would like to be, that's possible. But we're talking about a 27-year-old professional athlete who has the best sports medicine staff and and treatment available to him. So it's possible that Patrick Mahomes 
is close to 100%. Maybe he's 90. But I'll tell you this, if that's the case, then this line wouldn't be Philadelphia minus one and a half, especially considering Jalen Hurts' shoulder was bothering him during the NFC title game. And if you listen to any ESPN, Fox Sports, uh, talk radio, they all are saying that if Jalen Hurts plays in the Super Bowl like he did against the Niners, the Eagles are going to lose. And they attribute that to the shoulder injury that he had, his throwing shoulder, because he couldn't throw with any accuracy down the field. And if that's going to be the case, then the Eagles are in some trouble. Because Kansas City defensive coordinator C. Spagnolo, I think, is smart enough. This is the same guy who was a D.C. for the Giants when New York beat the Patriots and ruined their perfect season. The only way that Jalen Hurts is going to hurt you, obviously, if he can't throw the ball down the field, is with his legs. And I think what we were all planning on happening when they played against San Francisco was that the Niners were going to pressure him and make him throw the ball. Well, when they pressured him, he got out of the pocket and was able to hurt them with his legs. If they just bring three or four and they cover downfield and make Jalen Hurts play quarterback and not run with the football and he has to throw it, I think that's where the Chiefs are going to find success against this Eagles offense. They're going to stop the run and they're going to make Jalen Hurts play quarterback. The Chiefs are unquestionably better in two key spots. Head coach and quarterback. So even if you want to come at me with this narrative that the Eagles have more talent than the Chiefs, which I'll disagree with you, Kansas City still has a massive, massive advantage at head coach. For Philadelphia, Nick Sirianni will be coaching in his 38th game as a head coach. 38 total. And his fourth playoffs. Fourth playoff game. Andy Reid will be coaching in his 424th game as a head coach, and his 38th playoff game. He's 21-16 and 16 in the postseason, and this is his fourth Super Bowl. Experience kind of matters. Like, that's a big deal. So, I don't think anybody's going to argue that the Chiefs had the edge in coaching. And if anyone is going to argue that Kansas City has the advantage at quarterback, walk down the street, go to a sports bar, and stand there and say that out loud. And if you're anywhere other than Philadelphia... I hope somebody hits you in the head with a beer bottle and kind of rattles some stuff, you know, some stuff loose because that's just absurd. Patrick Mahomes, in five years as a starter, he's 10-3 in the playoffs, 1-1 one one in the Super Bowl. In those 13 playoff games, Patrick Mahomes has been favored every single time. This is the first playoff game in which his team will not be the favorite. Now, in 80 career regular season starts, Mahomes' Kansas City Chiefs have only been the underdog nine times out of 80 games. He's 6-3 and three straight up in those games. I told you last week I was going to have to dig into the Super Bowl matchup a little bit, but that if you were going to give me the best quarterback in the league and points that I was probably going to take that, I feel even more confident now in a Chiefs win and you're going to give me a point and a half, I'll take that. The public money is on the Chiefs. The pro money is on the Eagles. And the reason why the books haven't moved this line too much in favor of the Chiefs is because they know that if they do that, and it moves to, if they move the line to a pick, they know that there is going to be 
tens of millions of dollars that gets bet on the Eagles by the pros, and they will not be able to make that money up. You might be able to get, because I think the pros are going to come in closer to game time. This line's going to move more in favor of the Chiefs. So you might be able to get another half point and get Chiefs plus two right there. Obviously, I'm taking KC plus the points. I'm telling you that I think they're going to win. But if you want a little bit more betting action, the over-under on this game is 50 and a half. And the pros also like the over in this game. I've been listening to a bunch of gambling podcasts. And that every, every pro is talking about that. They took it up to 51 and a half, taking the over. Well, the total has gone under in five of the last six for the Eagles and in four of the last five for the Chiefs. I just told you I think this is going to be a little bit more of a defensive matchup than anybody expects. Again, we're talking about two teams that were first and second in the league in sacks. So you, you, can't, you can't have two great defenses and they give up four or five touchdowns each. So if you want my advice on where to put your money as far as total number of points, I'm going under 50 and a half. All right. It's time for another edition of What Would Jeff Do? Come on, man. Don't do this. No, I will not make out with you. Hell, you could say that 10,000 times and I enough. still wouldn't do it. It fires me up, man. I love it. Say it one more time. Check it, mate! Does that feel good? Yeah. It rhymes. They're both birds. Awesome. I'm not great at the advice. Can I interest you in a sarcastic comment? Our first email comes to us. No, you guys need to put 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 a, a little bit of information about yourself. Tell us where you're from or an age or something. This individual, obviously not quite of a, of age. He states, "This does not apply to me since I cannot legally gamble." But do you think betting on placing bets on non-football things for the Super Bowl is a good idea? For example. The color of the Gatorade for the winning team, number of times something is said, coin toss, etc. Okay, first and foremost, obviously you are under 21 years of age since you're telling me that you cannot legally gamble, which makes me think that you're not going to put any money on this game. And if you don't want to do that, you don't have anything good for you. But I will tell you this, it's illegal for you to drink too, but I bet you still find a way to do that. And the only reason I bring this up is because if you care enough, if you want it bad enough, you can find a way. You can absolutely find a way to put money on this game. Probably you could even do it kind of legally, depending on the state you're in, with DraftKings or FanDuel. So, don't give up. Now, as far as prop bets for non-football things, I do not care for those. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. I know a lot of people enjoy that. But the specific thing, one of the specific things you mentioned is betting on the coin toss. So if you are going to bet the coin toss, I got a little info for you. The winner of the coin toss hasn't won the Super Bowl since 2014. That means the team that won the toss hasn't won the game in nine years. Now, is there any correlation between winning the toss and winning the game? Absolutely not. But if you want a little background, it's happened nine times in a row. So... Even if you're not legally allowed to gamble and you don't have an account on some website, you're going to be watching the game with your buddies. 
You want to put some money on the coin toss or on who's going to win based on that? Watch the toss, and whichever team wins that, look at one of your buddies and tell them that you'll take the other team to win. Now, if you're going to do some prop bets that have to do with performance on the field, which I'm also not the biggest fan of, but I went ahead and dove into a couple of those for you. The Eagles' total rushing yards right now is sitting at 149 and a half. Well, the Eagles have gone under that total 12 of 19 times this year, including both games in the playoffs. That means 63% of the time the under hits on this number. That's one you can think about doing. And then the other one is a Travis Kelsey anytime touchdown, which is exactly like it sounds. You're betting that Travis Kelsey scores a touchdown. Okay? Now, he scored a touchdown in five straight postseason games and 11 of his last 14 playoff games. Patrick Mahomes doesn't like to throw the ball to anybody more than all-pro tight end Hall of Famer Travis Kelsey. So if you're looking for some action there, then you just want some, some points to be scored. And and I find it relevant. I want to make sure I let you know that Travis Kelsey also has two rushing attempts this season. Now, he didn't score on either of them, but the fact that Andy Reid will find other ways to get him the ball, it's worth mentioning. And Travis Kelsey also has two rushing touchdowns in his career. So you might be able to get a cheap one that way. Thank you for playing. Should we or should we not follow the advice of the galactically stupid? Our next one. This one was not sent, and I found this one on Reddit, and I really wanted to talk about it. So here we go. The title of this email is Just Pick Any Cracker. Possibly being petty, but curious what others think. My wife was packing my son's lunch, and she asked me to grab some crackers. So I was looking in the pantry. I asked, what kind of crackers? She replied in an exasperated, bordering on annoyed voice, just pick any cracker. The next cracker box that I saw were animal crackers. So I grabbed those and started to put them in a bag for her. Even more annoyed now, she said, I said crackers, not cookies. Guys, you've heard this tone of voice. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I said the animal crackers literally have crackers in the name. And if she wanted a certain type of cracker, she should have specified. We bickered for a bit, and then she very confidently declared, ask anyone, they'll agree. I think she's the asshole, but was she right? What a fantastic question. And I know that quite a, bit of, quite a few of our listeners are married. So I got some stuff to say about this one. First and foremost, animal crackers aren't crackers. I know you know that. I know I know that. And the reason that you picked the animal crackers isn't because they're the first ones you saw, but because you didn't care for the tone of voice that your wife and the addict had and your, that she was throwing an attitude at you because all she had to do was answer what kind of crackers. Now, I don't know what kind of dynamic there is in your marriage, right? I don't know if it's a good one or a bad one. I don't know if your wife sucks or you're just a prick. All of these things are possible. However, I've tried, as I've gotten older, to look at things from different points of view. And while your wife didn't have to have an attitude when she asked you to get some crackers for your son's lunch, you also could have just given her some crackers. So let's take a look at it from this point. In every relationship, whether it be a working relationship, a romantic relationship, uh, a friendship, etc., people fall into certain roles. Okay, and it would appear to me 
that you have fallen into the role of sit and watch your wife pack your son's lunch, and your wife has fallen into the role of packing your son's lunch. The reason I know that you don't pack his lunch is because you had to ask what kind of crackers. Because if you ever did this, you would have just grabbed some crackers or a particular type of crackers. So from your wife's point of view, she's probably thinking to herself, I do this shit every day. And you sit there leaning on the counter drinking your coffee and don't ever offer to help or any of that stuff. So she asked you to get some crackers and you decided to be kind of a dumbass about it. Now, again, does she have to have an attitude? No. But I bet if this guy counted the number of times he's packed his son's lunch since he was school age, he would not need more than one hand. I feel, I feel confident. Now, so was she kind of an asshole? Yes, the way she's talked to you were, but you were the bigger asshole, my friend. You were the, were the jerk off, okay? And if for nothing else, in order to survive marriage or a long-term relationship, as someone with a wiener, you have to ask yourself, is this the hill I want to die on today? Right? There are going to be arguments and disagreements, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you, buddy, based on the fact that you said there was bickering after, you decided you wanted to plant your flag on crackers. So here's what I want you to think of. In the event, Mr. Reddit user, that you listen to the show, I want you to think about the last time you had sex. And then I want you to count those days until the next time you have sex. Because let me tell you what doesn't get you more relations is when you argue with your wife who's making lunch for your kid about crackers. You lost this one, bro. Like, you had a chance. You weren't going to get points. You weren't going to get brownie points, okay, for getting the crackers. Nothing good was going to happen, but a lot of bad stuff could happen, and it did. You made it almost as bad as it could possibly be. The lesson here is, fellas, just get some crackers. Rachel, do you have anything you would like to add? No, I think you nailed it. Put the, hit, hit that one on the head? Hit that one right on the head. Hey, man, there we go. <laughs> I'd like to thank you guys for tuning in. Thank Rachel once again. Appreciate all her help. Remember, if you want some, uh, some what would Jeff do advice, you knocked us out of the park again today. You can send your emails in to generallymanagedpodcast at gmail.com. The email address is also in the show notes on the bottom of this podcast here. Go ahead and send some stuff in. Let's see if we can't help you out a little bit. Just shocked we didn't get any Valentine's Day ones. I, we're gonna get, we'll get some after. I know you guys are going to completely F Valentine's Day up. Go get your cards now. Do yourself a favor. Go get your cards and your chocolate now. There's nothing worse than going to the grocery store to get your Valentine's Day card like midday. There's like three cards and 40 dudes and it's a battle royale. Guys are pulling, going to get French baguettes and they're beating each other with them. Just don't do it to yourself. Okay? Happy Super Bowl. We're going to end the show with another quote from Cowboys owner, president, general manager, Jerry Jones. I probably should have had a little more tolerance 
Jimmy Johnson. Shit. Jerry. 